Listen, we're just going to dive straight in. We are doing a series at the moment. Who was here last week? Sarah did a great job last week, kicking off this series, Fruit Remains. And I love that video that's been produced for us. And one of the strap lines says this, he, he chose us. So I want you to know right from the get-go, he chose you. You're not here randomly, he chose you. And he's chosen you for a purpose. He's chosen and appointed you to bear fruit. That's not just that you walk around dangling some grapes behind you, but you've been designed and purposed to produce fruit in your life. And not just fruit in season, but fruit that lasts. Fruit that whatever season of life it is, winter, summer, spring, or the other one, you are flourishing and thriving because you're connected to Jesus. So this this series, again, is all about abiding in Jesus. So we're really continuing on from the last series where we left off last year. This whole concept of remaining, abiding, having our, our lives rooted in the very person of Jesus. So his life flows through our lives, yeah? So last week, Sarah did a brilliant job of just saying, hey, this is the context. This is the series. So week on week, we're going to be building and we're going to be looking at different aspects of this fruit as we go on. So the fruit that we're going to look at today is love. And I feel that where we, let, where we landed with worship or where Dan and the team took us this morning and how we encountered God, that contribution from Gemma as well, just, just listen out because this is going to be threaded through this message this morning because it's all about God's love. So if you have a Bible, turn to Galatians 5. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry, the, the, words, uh, the verses are going to come up on the screen behind me. And we're just going to look at two very short verses here. These are really familiar verses. So I really want to encourage you to tune in because some of you have these verses on your fridge, maybe on a t-shirt. Be a bit strange, but maybe you do. Um, They're not meant to live on your fridge. They're meant to flow out of our lives. And these are very familiar verses. So I pray that they would be fresh this morning. So before we read them, because we're turning to the word of God, this is living and active. I want you just to place your hand on your heart right now. And just say, God, would you speak to me this morning? God, would you reveal your love in deeper measure for me this morning? God, I want to know you more. That was the Apostle Paul's prayer for the Ephesians church, that he would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him more. So that's our prayer. That's my prayer, that I'd know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Now these are the verses. But the fruit... Or the evidence of this connection or abiding in Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. Question for you. What is love? Is it just a second-hand emotion? Yeah. Here we go. Ready? Is it just a second-hand emotion? I love Tina Turner. Some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Love is all we need, right? But what is love? Yeah. Simon last week, uh, a few weeks ago, told me about someone saying something in the anchor about, we should call this the cheesy Greek or something. And he was like, we've got one of those upstairs, mate. Um, <laughs> So uh, I am genuinely one of these cheesy monkeys, so 
apologies for this. So, not rhetorical. I don't want you to shout out, but what, what is love? I want you to think right now, what, what is love? Because just that very question will provoke all sorts of thoughts across this auditorium. What we've been through in our lives will define what we think love is. Bottom line. And the trouble is left to us, i.e. humans, we will define what it is and what it isn't. And, and, and if we do that, we will hugely misunderstand love and we will be massively, massively disappointed. And actually, we'll go through things and go, man, if that is love, I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> the Bible states that God is love. And this is where we have to start and stop. This is where we have to remain. 1 John 4, God is love. Three very simple, God is love. So I want you to know that love doesn't define God. God defines love. It's actually who he is. He is love itself. And everything he is and everything he does flows from his nature, from this nature of love. Now in the New Testament and throughout the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, we see love at play. We see different aspects of love, different facets of love. We, we have this, this Greek word philia, which means a friendship, an affection. And this is really seen in the Old Testament between David and Jonathan. There's, there was this philia or this philia love where there was this deep friendship. That's one aspect of love, this friendship. Jesus modeled it actually in the New Covenant. Shortest verse in the Bible says Jesus wept. And that was at his buddy's funeral. When Lazarus died, he was told of his friend Lazarus died, dying. And it says Jesus wept. And uh, so, so scholars say the most accurate translation of just that phrase is Jesus snorted like a warhorse. So it wasn't just a, oh, I'm, I'm sad my friend's dead. He kind of broke. But then it says that the Jews said, see how this man filio him. See how this Jesus loved him. So there's one aspect of love. But then we have this word agape love or agape love, however you want to pronounce it. And this is a selfless love. So filio is more of a feelings-driven love. Agape is selfless. It's a giving of oneself. And we're going to break that down in a little while. There's also other forms of love. And I know this isn't rocket science, but there, we have this word eros, where we get erotic from. And this is really demonstrated between husband and wife. This is a sexual love. This is a sexual attraction. So there's all sorts of facets and aspects to these, these loves. But the love that Paul is referring to here in Galatians is this word agape. And that's what we're going to break down this morning, which is a supernatural love. It is a supernatural love and it's a divine love because it's from the very heart of God. So it has to start with him. That's why I say it's supernatural. It flows right from his heart and nature. And this word agape, this, this love, is what God wants to produce in and through our lives. Of course he wants us to be friends. Of course he wants me and him to be physically attracted to each other. Of course, he wants us to have this deep affection for one another. But actually, the primary love that he wants to grow and flourish and for us to remain in is this word agape. And this is what we're going to break down. If you have a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians. This is where we see agape in action. Um, 
often read at weddings, which is brilliant. Um, just give you some context. The Apostle Paul is writing this, and we, we see it mapped out in 1 Corinthians, particularly from chapters 11, 12, 13, 14. He's starting to describe what spiritual gifts look like, how the body of Christ, how, how God's redeemed sons and daughters should be flowing together, how gifts should be operated, what gifts are, and then the order of worship. He's saying, because these guys at Corinth were a little bit wacky, and, and not just for wacky sake, they were going beyond what God had called them to be. They were doing, there was all sorts of disorder in their meetings. So he was saying, look, we need to get the right godly order in place. But then sandwiched, slap bang in the middle of all this, is this beautiful description of love. And he says that worship is so important. Spiritual gifts, really important. But then in chapter 13, the end of chapter 12, he says, I'm going to show you something even more important. I'm going to show you something that he describes as the most excellent way. So 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 1, uh, chapter 13, sorry, verse 1, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not agape, this is the translated word here, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith as to say to that mountain, move, but have not agape, love, I am nothing. If I give all that I have away, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not agape, I gain nothing. Do you hear his heart here? And then he says, this is what agape looks like. It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. Anyone feel challenged right now? It's not, it doesn't insist on its own way. Oh dear. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. This is so beautiful. Listen to this. Agape love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. And then he tails it off in verse 8. This agape love never fails. So I want you to know that God wants you to know this morning that this agape love never fails when we walk it out like this. Agape love is not driven by emotions and feelings. Anyone here like me, I'm an emotional man. Like genuinely. If I'm hungry, I've shared this before. If I'm hungry, the world's ending. If I stub my toe, you know, I could... Whatever it might be, anyone else here suffer with emotions that take them down the pan at times? And often we we are driven to love people by how we feel. Agape love does not do that, as I'm going to describe. This is what it looks like. It's patient. That means it's enduring. That means it's forbearing. That means it's long-suffering. And I know some of you have probably been forbearing and long-suffering for a long time. It's kind. It doesn't envy. That means it's not riddled with jealousy. It doesn't boast. Or the translation of this word boast, it's not a windbag. Anyone here a windbag? I'm a windbag at times. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable, resentful. doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. What it means by that, it doesn't start keeping a tally of wrongs. Do you know, I can do this. And I often go, I smile on the outside and I go, there's another little wrong there. Great, it's great to see you. Dick. 
tick, and you're just tallying up all these wrongs. He's saying agape love doesn't do that. It actually doesn't do that. It says it rejoices in the truth. Love what one commentator says. He, this is what rejoicing in the truth means. It means sharing truth's joy. Do you know there's something so joyful about truth, right? The first time I heard the truth of Jesus, there was a joy that exploded in my heart. Love shares joy's truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. That doesn't mean it's gullible. If I tell you I play for Liverpool Football Club, you'd be gullible. It believes, it, it hopes, it endures. Love never ends. Agape love is always shown by what it does. And this kind of love is ultimately seen in the person and works of Jesus. And you know what? It's seen in its fullest extent on Jesus at the cross, as Sarah tailed off the worship for us, as she described, true agape love is sin pinned on the cross in the person and work of Jesus. That's what the truest expression of agape love looks like. It is an ultimate act of love. It is ultimate act of sacrificial love where you sacrifice oneself and it's radical. You know, this kind of agape love that we're saying, this is the fruit that God wants to remain, it doesn't come easy. It's not something that we just pray once and then we're like, man, I'm riddled with agape love. I'm just floating down the, the street, offering out this agape love to whoever would receive it. No, 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 this is a self-giving love. This is a self-sacrificing love. This is a, a love that costs you everything. In that moment where you know forgiveness is needed, it's that love. It's that love. It's radical. And it's ultimately a decision where Jesus said, I will lay down my life for you. I want you to think again how precious that is, that he would lay down his life for us. Listen to this quote here. The type of love that characterizes God isn't a sappy, sentimental feeling, such as we often hear portrayed. God loves because that's his nature and the expression of his being. He loves the unlovable and he loves the unlovely. Not because we deserve to be loved or because of any excellences we possess, but because it's his nature to love and he must be true to his nature. You know, often we sing of God's love, oh, how he loves us. If we start there without describing why he loves us and how he demonstrates his love, it's just a sappy, sentimental feeling. Because none of us know what that looks like. But when we start describing what Jesus did at the cross and then we say, oh, how he loves us, then my heart explodes. But if we come into this space and just begin to sing, oh, how he loves us, without any context to help us understand why he loves us and what his love for us looks like, then we don't understand his love. And we will, we will be dictated to by these feelings that go up and down like a roller coaster. His love is steadfast. His love is true. Listen to this. Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5. But God starts by saying, we were completely wrecked in our sin. But then it says, but God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, he made us alive together with Jesus Christ. That's agape love right there. Romans 5.8. You want to know what God, God's love looks like? 
It says, but God shows his love for us like this. And I want you to put yourself in this story. I want you to remember your story. God showed his love for you, Neil, like this. When you were still a sinner, Jesus Christ died for you, bro. I heard one guy said, when I was jacked up in all my ways, Jesus died for me. How was it for you? Ivan, I know your story. How God reached into your life and made you new. That's his love. That's the fullest expression of agape love. That he made you brand new when you were dead in your sin. But listen to this. Not only did God die for us, and that's enough, right, to leave us in amazement and to leave us in bewilderment. I didn't even know I knew that word. For the rest of our days, that's enough, right, that this king of glory would die for us but it doesn't end there. Three days later, like Dan's saying, he, he borrowed a tomb. He borrowed a tomb and then he burst out of the grave. And his new resurrected life is giving us resurrected lives. So his new born again, this, this new nature, sorry, he didn't need to be born again, but this, this new nature, this resurrected being has now poured his new life into our dead bones. So these dead bones could live. And he promises to never leave us, to never forsake us. He promises that we'll never be separated from his love. You know, Psalm 136, this is the old covenant before Jesus. This psalmist says time and time again, again and again, he says, starts the psalm by saying, for God is good and his steadfast love endures forever. And then he says, God made the heavens. His steadfast love enjoys, endures forever. God made the world. His steadfast love endures forever. God wants us to know that his steadfast, agape, unmoving love endures forever. And it endures over you. It will never be removed. Psalm, sorry, Romans 8, which we know is Sarah's happy place. And actually, when you said that, I was like, man, that's my happy place. How random. Um, this is a full description in the new covenant to say, now because of Jesus, there's no punishment over us. The blood of the lamb has set us free, right? So there's no condemnation. There's no ton of bricks that is going to be dropped on you at any point in your life. And it says, there's nothing that can separate you from his love. No height, no depth, no angels, no demons, no principalities or powers. Check this out, friends. Not even death itself can separate you from God's love. Do you know what death does? It just gets you there quicker. Genuinely, you fall asleep and you wake up in the presence of the Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Oh man, I need to hear that. This is a description of what this fruit that God wants us to produce in our life looks like. It's set in a stone. It's set in a promise. That brilliant word that Gemma brought us earlier. The promise of a wedding ring between husband and wife. The blood of Jesus set, shed at the cross is set in a promise and it's God's covenant promise to you like a wedding ring that you're mine forever. And nothing will ever take that ring away from you. Nothing will ever remove my cleansing blood from you. God's agape love is set in a promise. So from this encounter with his love that we receive freely, unmerited, unearned, undeserved. I'm completely unlovable. 
I've received this grace. God now wants us to live out of this agape love to others. That's the point. We live in it so we can live out of it. There's a nice little move I did there. And ultimately, it's an attitude of the heart. You know, we will say this time and time again. Please don't think because I'm standing, I don't know, two foot higher than you at the moment, and I'm facing you, that I've somehow arrived in this. This is as if we're sitting in a lounge together as brothers and sisters talking, right? And I'm saying to you that, man, this is what I want to grow in. This is what I find one of the hardest things in my life to express this love because it's a culture of the heart. What I mean by culture is it becomes a way of life. That's what culture means. Things just become a way of life. And I want us as a church community, I want me as a redeemed son of God to just live out of this love. Not dependent on what's going on in my life, but for the sake of your life. For the sake of others. We can love because he first loved us. We can agape because he first agaped us. That's what the Bible says. There needs to be this divine deposit in our hearts. When we try to do it on our own steam, we just can't do it. Can we? How's that going for you? When you try yourself. There needs to be this divine deposit of grace. And out of that grace... We move. And that deposit of grace is God himself, the God of grace. And we know, we've said this again and again, this, this is about partnership. This is about Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is about Christ in me, the, the presence of God that I'm carrying around wherever I go. Temples of Holy Spirit. We're like mini arcs wherever we go. I no longer live, but Jesus Christ lives in me. Romans 5.5 5 says, God's love, God's agape has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So it's not something you've queued up for. God, look at my life. Am I doing all right? It was a free gift of grace. And it's been freely poured into your life. So I just want to quickly look at some examples of what this looks like in our lives. And I want us to understand that as we look at these examples, this is all about an active decision of the will. You still with me this morning? Great. Personally, this is how it works out with me and Em. So not everyone here is married. I appreciate that, but I, I am married. Um, poor Em. I don't... Keep going. This is how it works out within marriage. So there was this filial love between us, this friendship that grew. There was this eros, man, there's this attraction going on. There was this sexual attraction. We can talk about this in church, it's all right. People looking like, oh, where are you going? Mm, Sush you out. I'll come again next week. Let's see how this plays out. But it had to go deeper than that. Because seasons change, right? Seasons shift. Responsibility, responsibilities, I don't know why I'm saying that situations change, circumstances change, maybe responsibilities change. But things move and change, so sometimes this attraction shifts, you know, like, I'm not sure I like you today. So this is where agape kicks in. This is where you need to turn it on. Where you go, this is what I said at my wedding. And it's easier at your wedding day to say it, but 15 years on, you have to keep saying it, right? 45 years on, you're saying, man, I'm living more in agape today than I did 
in year one. This is how it works. I was asked by this, by the minister before my family and friends and God, Sam, will you take Emma, forsaking all others? Will you be faithful to her as long as you both shall live? Yeah. Yeah, man. I'll do that. I I didn't know what I was saying. And then suddenly, my commitment kicks in, right? Then I'm asked, okay, Sam, okay, big shot. That's not what the minister said, don't worry. (laughs) This is what I want you to repeat then. If you're serious about this, buddy, this is what I want you to repeat. I call upon these persons present. To witness that I, Santino, Constantine, Amberis, yeah. (laughs) Take you, Emma, Claire Little, to be my lawful wedded wife. To have and to hold from this day forward. For better, for worse. Regardless of what happens with Liverpool. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health. To love and to cherish. Check this out until death parts us. That's the wedding ring right there. That's agape love right there. It's not as long as it works out. It's not as long as this sexual attraction stays. Not as long as this friendship. Not as long as everything goes according to plan. It says, no, for better and for worse, I choose to agape M for the rest of my life. This is how it works out across this church community with us as brothers and sisters. We are to extend agape love to one another, the church. Do you know, the church isn't just a building. It's not the powerhouse. It's not just coming to a nice slick meeting. It's, it's not a building you go to. It's a people you belong to. There's a people that are just like you. You know, I often think to myself, man, that guy's a bit nuts. I, I, I'd never say that to you, right? But I realized that when I look in the mirror, there are none as crazy as me. Like genuinely, you know, so often we judge people and you go, there by the grace of God, people are just like me. And I know I jest, forgive me for that. But I want you to know that this is what agape love looks like. It says, do you know what? I'm not going to give up on you, John. Wherever you go, I go. Wherever you go through, I'm right by your side. It says that I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to just make my own thinking up about you. It says that I'm in it for the long haul, right by your side. And it's a love that chooses to accept and celebrate diversity regardless, warts and all. That's what the house of God looks like. Just look around just for a moment. Isn't it diverse? I know this is odd. I know people try not to hold that starey eye contact. Or I like to do it where you just genuinely just stare at someone. Let me show you what it looks like in Scripture. Colossians 3, verses 12 to 14. It says, put, put on then, not feel it on. Not wait until you feel like it. The writer says, put it on. Put, put this on. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, Paul's saying, forgive. Forgive, as the Lord has forgiven you. You also must forgive. And above all these virtues, 
above all of these, above compassion, above meekness, above generosity, above kindness, above humility, I want you to put on love. Agape, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. What binds us together in unity and harmony is a mutual love, is a love that is expressed from God and is God. It's a divine deposit. And do you know what? As well as our love for one another, God's so strategic about this. He's sneaky, sneaky. Because somehow through our love for one another, he draws others in. Uh, sometimes we have the greatest strategy, our evangelistic efforts. What I mean by that is how are we going to tell people about Jesus? How are we going to show people Jesus? Sometimes we come up with all sorts of plans. But do you know what God's strategy is? Just love each other. Above everything else, when you truly love each other, I will draw people to myself, I believe God says. Jesus himself said in John 13, 35, your love for each other will show that you're my disciples. You know, that's how it worked for me. I don't know how it worked for you. How was it for you, Laura? When you first came in, you're probably like, man, there's something different about these guys. That's how it was for me. First time I walked into King's Church in Hastings, this beautiful bunch of people, I was genuinely like, you like each other. It, nowhere else on the planet works quite like the church when we do it well. That there is nothing like the local church. Jesus' body. When we truly love un- one another, when I look to Neil to say, do you know what? Not me. Not my agenda. But how can I make my brother flourish? I think God goes, man, now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. So it's God's strategy. It's God's strategy. Lastly, our commitment to mankind. This is how agape works out. So we can have it at the personal level. We have it corporately as we bind together in love. And then it's his commitment. It's our commitment, actually, to, the, to mankind. And it starts by understanding that every human life is made in the image of God. I'm speaking to myself right now. Not just good people. Not just people that share your interests, but God, right at the start of time in Genesis, there's this conversation going between the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, that says, ah, we're not quite complete. They were complete in themselves, but the prize of their, uh, that brought them joy was us. We're the pinnacle of creation, right? It says, let us make mankind in our image, male and female, we will make them. So every human life on the planet is made in the image of God. That is every human life. You don't have to necessarily agree with every human life, but every human life is valuable to God. That's why some of you do the jobs you do, because you know it deep within your bones, whatever that looks like. You know that every human life is valuable. So I believe that as we begin to see humanity through the lens of agape love through the lens of agape love we begin to see humanity through the lens of Jesus and we see humanity from the cross we see humanity from the cross because Jesus at the cross what did he say when his executioners were killing him he shouts out father forgive them they don't know what they're doing We're able, regardless of what's going on in society, regardless of what's happening at home or in your workplace or down the streets or that, that awkward person you're pushed up to in the train, 
where I find myself sometimes. You know when you're this close to someone? How do you see them? I want to ask you, how, how do you look at humanity? Because I believe God wants us to look at people as he looks at people. And then somehow we're tapping into his love. We're tapping into his agape love. You see, agape points to a different way. It truly does. Because people can love one another in the world as well. We know that. But do you know what? This divine, supernatural agape love, we only get it from God and we only get it within the church because it is breathtaking. And when people see it, it points to another way. It shows people that there can truly be forgiveness. Why on earth would you forgive that person that abused you? Because I'm extending the love that has been so freely poured out on me. Why on earth would you forgive your father when he abandoned you? Because I'm extending the love that far supersedes any pain that I've ever been through. Why on earth would you extend love when all they do at work is rip you down? Because I'm riddled with a love that pulls me up. So I pray this morning for a divine deposit of agape love again that will grip us in the core of our being that we will not only know man I'm so loved but that will propel us to go and I just want to love people and I'm going to stay steadfast I'm going to stay true I'm not going to leave people I'm not going to abandon people I'm going to stay right by people's sides I've heard some beautiful stories across this week of people that have just stayed by someone's side through the darkest of times that's agape love that's agape love to love people with a love that comes from God a love that reveals who God really is and ultimately a love that draws people to him that's I believe what fruit looks like this is the fruit that God wants to not only produce in us but to grow in us so this is how we're going to land things How do we do this? How do we do this? We cannot be stoic about it. This isn't willpower. This isn't about kind of hoping for the best. It isn't just like head down and try human effort. It is coming back right to the start of the series again. We remain in Jesus. It's going to be this every week, I believe. Like we start with Jesus, we finish with Jesus. There is no other wisdom on the planet, guys. Nothing new under the sun is Jesus. What's the answer to it? It's Jesus. What's the answer to your life? It's Jesus. What's the answer to the hope within us? It's Jesus. What's the answer for Manchester, for Stockport, for Edgeley, for wherever you live? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And we must remain and abide in him. And how we do that is by walking step by step with the Holy Spirit. Not sure whether the verses will come up. I don't know if I gave them to the guys. But in Galatians, it finishes off. Chapter 5, towards the end, verse 25 says, If you live by the Spirit, if you've been born of the Spirit, then let us keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And Jude 1, 21 says this, Keep yourselves in the love of God. I love what the writer says here when he tails off this letter. He says, Everything else I've said to you, This is what you must do. Keep yourselves in the agape of God. 
Keep yourselves in the agape love of God, this supernatural, divine love. Will you stand with me? This is a, an encouragement, if you like. You know what? We can set our hearts to all sorts of things. I know I do. We can set our hearts to projects and people and uh, things and jobs and family stuff and adventures, and it's great. Keep doing it. Keep dreaming. We can pursue after spiritual gifts. Awesome. Keep going for it. Go for it with all your heart. But the one thing, if I can humbly say as a new member to this church community, if I can encourage us all, pursue agape love with all of your being. With everything within you, pursue this love. Pursue this love. Make this your heart's goal that I will choose deliberately and intentionally to love regardless of what I go through. There's three areas that I'd love us to respond to this morning. This is me finishing off the message, if you like, as a prayer response. Um, Mark felt it as well during the, during the worship, and I certainly felt as I was preparing, I believe that there might be some here today that are going to give their lives to Jesus for the first time. Because you've heard and you've seen what this love looks like somehow. Through the singing, maybe through what I've shared, you've seen for the first time what love looks like. In John's Gospel, Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whoever believes in him shall not be separated or perish, but have everlasting life. So I want you to know, friend, God so agapes you. He so loves you. And he doesn't want you to be separated from him. And maybe he's calling you home this morning. The Bible says that we're saved by Jesus, by grace, through faith. Not through works. You don't have to say anything magical. You just come to Jesus in faith. So I'm going to lead you right now in a very simple prayer. Can I ask everyone to close their eyes? If that's you today, and you know in your heart of hearts, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. But just as I'm saying this, are you ready? You might not feel ready. I didn't feel ready 15 years ago. I still had loads of questions. But there was something in me that thought, man, I need Jesus. So if that's you this morning, I just want you to repeat these very simple statements after me. Jesus, today I turn to you in faith, believing that you died for me and that you rose again for me. Please forgive me for all of my sin. I ask that you come and wash me new. Come and cleanse my heart. Come and give me a brand new heart. Today, Jesus, I choose to turn from my old life and I choose to follow you as my Lord and my Savior.